0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Hybrid Unlimited. This is me, Steffi Cohen. And Hayden Bo. And today we're going to be having a conversation about business and entrepreneurship. Specifically, we're going to talk about the step by step process that we took and uh, our story in terms of how we started Hybrid and what the storyline is.
1: I think a lot of times when you listen to people talking uh, about business and giving advice, um, it, it comes from not necessarily what they've done, but sort of what they think should be done in retrospect. But oftentimes it's presented as if it's the route that they took. This is actually something they talked about in the book Alchemy that I loved. Uh, and how, how they sort of explained it was that it's similar to uh, if somebody hikes a mountain, that no one's. No one's climbed before. They might not take the most direct route because you can't see what the bird's eye view is of, of what you're doing. You don't know if there's an obstacle or a, or a, you know, a canyon or something you're gonna have to avoid along the way. So maybe you get to that canyon and you have to take a huge detour to get around it and then you go back up your route, whatever. But by the time you get to the top, you have this new vantage point. You can look back down the mountain and you can see what the most direct and clear route is. Uh, and you can relay that to people who are going to climb the mountain after you. And like I said, a lot of the times people present the uh, ideas and concepts that they can now see from the new vantage point as if they took that route themselves. So I think what what we want to do is provide both what we think is the correct path based on mistakes and, and successes we've had uh, and also give you sort of like Examples and legitimate stories from our experience, as well uh, from the actual route that, that we did take. Yep. So, uh, as always, podcast brought to you by Ghost Strong Equipment. Uh, check them out at ghoststrongequipment.com on Instagram at Ghost Strong Equipment. Uh, other news: Your book is now available for, for pre-sale, uh, the hard copy. So definitely go check that out.
0: There's limited amounts of them so you you definitely want to get in while you can
1: yeah go to the hybrid website it's called back in motion it's awesome um and a ton of them have been selling already so get in on that finally uh if you want to enter into a draw to win an entire hybrid apparel drop we choose people every month all you have to do to enter is screenshot the episode you're listening to while you're listening to it tag me Steffi and hybrid unlimited and post it in your story and you'll you automatically are entered to possibly win some of the best uh you know streetwear and lifting swag in the game
0: yep sit back enjoy the podcast hello hello how are you doing
1: i'm good how are you doing
0: i'm good thank you so today we're gonna be talking about business i think the first thing i I, honestly i want to open up by defining what owning a business looks like and what the difference is between a hustler and an entrepreneur, because I see this term being thrown so lightly being used so lightly and especially in the fitness space.
1: Sure. Someone will open a lemonade stand and all of a sudden they're an entrepreneur.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think to me, the difference lies in, in terms of intention and vision. I think the difference between, you know, a hustler works hard, maybe has, you know, several good ideas they can make some money doing it but they lack the intention and the vision so it's not the same to when you when you can capitalize on an opportunity and you see it as more like a short term or short sighted in terms of the the amount of time that you can be doing that for you you don't base your decisions around forming systems and organizations and and kind of a projection onto the future of how you can continue um, growing that and scaling that business uh, versus entrepreneurship or a true business owner who can see all of those things and can and can think about A, B, C, what the steps are going to be in order to continuously grow.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's well said. I think hustlers, a quote unquote hustler is somebody who can capitalize on short-term opportunities, uh, you know, versus an entrepreneur is somebody who is building less, fewer verticals, maybe, but lasting businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with either one, but um, I think it's important to make the distinction because I I think building a business is something that can pay you back, you know, with huge amounts of interest in the future. Whereas if you're a hustler, you're probably going to be bouncing around to different things, always looking for the next thing and trying to figure out sort of how to stay afloat. Which is uh, stressful for one, and uh, you know, probably not the, the best use of your time in terms of value output.
0: Yeah, and I I think that it comes down to being able to say no to short term profits, and and be okay with uh with uh, delayed gratification essentially like being okay with having to invest and having to grow slower having to put money into your business for you know in order for you to have a better outcome in the long run
1: yeah i agree
0: but a lot of people are are, are adamant about taking that route you know they they're only thinking about the profit that they can make today and tomorrow and and they don't see the value in taking a hit in terms of profits for to to build a more recognizable brand, to improve your packaging, to improve your services, to improve the way that the industry perceives you, et cetera. Right.
1: Yeah, that's Well, those things are all very difficult to do, especially if you don't have a ton of uh, capital at hand, you know, and and, and yeah, I mean, thinking long term is, is something that I think most people find challenging. Mm-hmm. especially when it comes to finances and investment and all, all those sorts of things. So hopefully we can provide a little bit of clarity, at least on, on how we've, you know, how we've done or become what, what I would interpret as being actual entrepreneurs building sustainable long-term businesses. Yep.
0: So let's go step-by-step. Step. I don't know how long it's going to take us to go through all the points that we wrote down, but let's talk about if you're someone who has an entrepreneurial spirit and you feel like uh, owning your own business is something that you want to do, the first thing that you need to do is obviously identifying what the need in the market is and starting to think about ways that you can satisfy that need in the market.
1: Yeah. I mean, do we want to touch on our personal experience with that as well? Yeah. I mean, for us, it was pretty blatantly obvious because. We weren't offering a service at the time and people just continually asked us for that service so for those of you who, who haven't been around for the long haul with us steffi and i there was a point in time where we were competing in both olympic weightlifting and uh powerlifting and you know we were making a lot of progress in both of those at the same time which is you know something that is challenging to do if anybody's done a, a powerlifting cycle and peaked for a meet and uh you know tried to mix in snatch and clean and jerk in there as well i think you find really quick It's a, it's a difficult balancing act. So anyway, we were doing that and people would constantly ask us how we were able to do that. And it got to the point where it was obvious to identify the need that was, there was nobody offering quote unquote hybrid styles of training. It was, you would go to, you know, uh, mash or Cal strength. If you wanted to learn weightlifting, you would go to juggernaut or I'm not sure who else if you wanted to learn powerlifting. They're kind of these camps that were, um, you know, they were just offering one service Uh, or if they did offer other services, they weren't very recognized for that. So our opportunity was in that we could present ourselves as the people who were, who were offering that style of programming. Mm -hmm. And at the time CrossFit was booming, you know, better than ever and the those are the exact type of people who are interested in getting stronger in powerlifting movements, learning weightlifting so there was already a, a big demographic available uh you know for, uh, for us so we put out a we decided we were going to build a program uh, software we um you know we originally were like let's see if we can get you know five 10, 15, I don't know, a handful of people to beta test the software, put it out on social media. That's what we were doing. And overnight, we had like 400 people apply to be a beta tester. And that's when it really made sense for us. And when we decided, you know, it was time to double down on, on the... The service.
0: Yeah. And sorry to interrupt, but right. within the importance of identifying the need and thinking about how you're going to fulfill that market, there's also the, the the question of how you're going to differentiate yourself. Mm-hmm. And obviously part of it was our style of training was one huge differentiating factor, but another one was the direction we chose to take, which was creating our own software. I know it's too close. eh?
1: You just have to put it straight and away from straight?
0: your mouth. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, Identifying the need and thinking about how ways that you can differentiate from yourself from the market. So one was our style of training and programming. And the other one was the fact that we chose to develop our own software instead of using existing software like Train Heroic or even like even not even choosing a, a, a software company to deliver those programs, but you using Excel. Um,
1: Which is what a lot of people, most people did at the time and actually a lot of people still do now.
0: Yeah. And personally, I think that's, it's a mistake because you, you're not, you need to establish yourself as an authority and a professional in the coaching space. And in order to do that, you need to, you need to look the part, you need to look professional and have, have a method of delivering those workouts and a method of communicating with the people, your clients, that is professional. And, you know it's i think it's especially important nowadays because we because the fitness industry is very crowded and saturated market right now mm-hmm. and those are always ways that you can you can you can differentiate yourself and and be more be a lot more competitive
1: yeah i think it's it's you know it probably hurts for a lot of people to hear cuz i'm sure uh, there's a huge portion of the people who listen to this podcast who offer coaching and you know the way that they get their clients is by you know, putting out posts or saying, you know, email me at so-and-so, you know, steve at gmail.com. And that's the process of, of onboarding clients. Um, and that's fine. But I think that what people need to understand is that there's definitely limitations to, to that style of coaching. To me, that is the modern day equivalent of, you know, being a trainer at gold's gym or, you know, being someone who you're, you're simply exchanging your time, uh, for money, especially now where, you know, personal training is not really, you can't even really do it in COVID to, to have that sort of, um, onboarding process is just, uh, it's very limiting. You know, it's the difference between being a coach and being, uh, an online business, you know, Let's talk about that.
0: Let's talk about that. I think a huge, for us, a huge shift in perspective and, uh, a huge kind of, pivotal point or tipping point for our business was when we had the realization that we were no longer in the coaching business. We were more in the SaaS business.
1: Right. Software as a service.
0: Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, I, you know, I, I obviously I value education and still do. I think there's a specific set of skills that you need to have an understanding of coaching in the human body. If you want to be, if you want to be able to provide a, a good service, one that actually works, but Beyond that point, like if, especially if you're working with the general public, you have to understand the fundamentals and you need to be good at communicating, delivering and making, making yourself, uh, relatable, uh, and then coming up with it, with a system or a software that allows you to reach many, many people. And that allows you to serve many, many people. So I think once we understood that, that we were an IT business, we were, we are a software business. Right. Uh, we started making a lot of changes to, to, you know, Im- improve everything.
1: Yeah. Well, there, there, co- there's a million coaches out there. There's a ton of good coaches out there. And I think a lot of times what differentiates coaches when they're competing on a coach level is just either like, is it the athletes that they coach, which is kind of a crappy game to get stuck in because you mean, the best coach in the world, we know lots of them. Camilo was a great coach, a first weightlifting coach, but he's only able to deal with the people who find their way to him physically in a gym. And mm-hmm. it's the same in, in the powerlifting community. You know, if you're, um, a great coach, but you just don't, the talent doesn't walk through the door, or enter your inbox, then how are you going to differentiate yourself? You're just going to be, you know, another a person in, in the weeds. And I think that's another huge thing is that people are easily discouraged. Uh, about entering crowded markets, and I don't. And even though fitness is a crowded market, it's a lot less crowded when you treat your business like a business and you behave like a professional, as professionally as possible, and you set a gold standard because
0: there's not that many people at the top.
1: There's not. There's there's a ton of competition in the middle, and that's all the people who are offering their. Coaching services the way that, that I've explained it, but once you, once you rise above that level, there's not a ton of institutions in the powerlifting space who are offering high level services with professional looking front facing, uh, systems and, uh, you know, websites and staff and, and all the things that come with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and with that, it's also important to, to address the fact that you don't have to be the first one to get into the, you know, creating your own software or your own app or whatever. A lot of people get paralyzed by that when, when they're thinking about new ideas and then they do a quick Google search and they find out that they're, that it already exists and that they get bummed out. They're like, oh no, that already exists. That's good. If
1: you can think of it, it probably already exists. Yeah. Most most things,
0: most things already exist. Yeah. You know, I think that's the wrong way of looking at things. And and in fact, you know, I think it's a lot better when there's something that already exists because then you know for sure that there's a market that people are buying, you know, mm-hmm. searching for that service or that good. Um, and then you can study your competition. You can study your competition. Their,
1: yeah, their cards are already on the table. Yeah. You, you can usually... Identify where a company is doing well, what's making them look good, and what's making them look bad.
0: Yeah, it's even exactly. easier
1: to do actually from the outside looking in. Sometimes people, when they're in the the business, they're too close to it to identify those issues. So. Exactly,
0: exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So don't get discouraged if whatever business endeavor you wanna you wanna do already exists, or there's a lot, or or there's big players in the market, or anything like that. Yeah. Because there's there's always gonna be people that wanna buy your stuff. I mean, there's there's more than enough people for everyone to go around. So. For and, sure. and we, we we live in a in a world of overconsumption. So I think that,
1: you know, there's
0: there's always going to be someone that buys into your your product or service.
1: And, and I'm sure there's people out there who are thinking, well, I can't just dump a bunch of money into making a huge looking company from the outside. But uh, I think it takes a lot less. Like a little bit goes a long way when everyone else is doing nothing. Yeah, you know what I, I mean. I love that. So I think that, I mean, for us at the, when we started out. I mean, we, we were nothing, you know, you weren't even popular on social media. You know, we just, we literally, we, we built, put the, always the name of the brand first. And I think that that made a huge difference. It was always we, as in like hybrid, the brand we were doing X, Y, Z, not Steffi and Hayden. And I think that's like, just to roll this over into branding, try to keep your personal name out of your business name. Don't make it Steve's coaching service. Of poor course, Steve. Poor Steve. yeah. I bet there's probably a Steve out there with a great coaching service <laughs> named after himself, and he's just like, "I'll show you." <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, it, I think that's short-term thinking, especially if, especially if you're someone who's popular in the industry, like like you, Steffi. You know, it, you're just putting a an hour. You basically flipped over an hourglass on how long you can, your business can be relevant, mm-hmm. you know, and then you're going to have to rebrand or rebuild it once you're no longer competing, if that's the case. Right.
0: Yeah. I think it, it uh, it, it really narrows your, your reach or your scope because especially see you're, you're a guy and you have Steve's coaching business. Then I think most guys are going to be attracted to that less girls because it's a guy or, or vice that's versa true. True. or vice versa. So you're, you're already, capping how many people you can how many people are going to be interested in that service. Secondarily, there's the the dependency factor. Like if you own your business, you do always want to have to be in shape or have to go to expos or have to network. You you don't want the business to be dependent on your image. You want the business to thrive on its own. Right. So, and, but,
1: you, and it doesn't mean that that you can't aid the business's image. Like you, you, you always certainly should you certainly it. do, you know. But the the point being it's not dependent on you. Exactly. You know, it's it's if you spend time building the reputation of the brand independently of the reputation of the person, then at the end when the person that isn't relevant it isn't competing or isn't doing xyz, that brand still has a, a reputation and and is trusted by people.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You you almost want the brand to become its own person, like its own entity. You know? And 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 again, and not to stay too long on this topic or, or I guess I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but
1: not really. I mean, different iterations. Yeah. That are
0: okay. Oh good. yeah. Whatever. Just don't, don't make the brand depend on, on you and your image or on your name and be okay with, with delegating with bringing people onto your team and giving them power. Cause I think, you know, when we were talking to Jordan, when he was thinking about expanding his business, he, he was, he was very uh, skeptical of bringing in coaches, because it because he the way he thought about it was, well, people want to learn from Jordan Shallow, they don't want to learn from X Y Z. But I mean, I'm glad he took our advice in terms of bringing people in and coaching them and, and 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 trusting them because that's the way that you scale, right? If you're in the teaching in the teaching business, you want to teach seminars. How many seminars, how many times can you travel in a year and teach seminars, right? You're way better off having people in your corner that can help you teach, that can mm. travel for you, but you can only do that if you pass on the, what do you call torch. it? Torch. The torch, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're essentially endorsing that person, that coach, that nutrition coach, that trainer, that that uh, teacher, professor, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and and you're, you're saying, hey, you know, I'm Steffi Cohen and I'm endorsing. This person, he is or she is at the standard that we at hybrid uphold.
1: Right. I mean, and that goes back to branding and being a coach versus being, uh, being an online business with an online business. What you should be trying to accomplish and project is that there's a standard of standard quality level that everyone can expect when they're buying a product or service from your business, Mm -hmm. you know, independently, it doesn't matter who the coaches are. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, who's doing all the different parts of the business. What matters is, you know, that you get this level of service from hybrid. It takes the risk out of it. Mm -hmm. You're not hiring some guy from the internet who might say, oh yeah, pay for the whole year up front. And then he disappears, you know, or something like that, Mm -hmm. which actually happened on a huge scale with, uh, do you remember John Hollywood? That was an interesting, interesting service. Um, But yeah, it turned out. It
0: happened with some other girl We were talking about that the other day.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure on the same level, but with the John Hollywood thing, he, he, uh, it, it turned out that he, uh, it wasn't even him like answering all these. He had hired coaches just who were pretending to be him. And he was coaching like hundreds of people personally in like a very detailed way who thought they were working with him. And then when the jig was kind of up, he just disappeared.
0: That's crazy, man. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so just, Building your brand so that people can people can trust that everything that they're gonna get from their customer service to their ser- to their the service that you're selling or the goods that you're that they're that they're buying are gonna be uphold to a certain standard. Sorry to interrupt your regularly scheduled programming. I just wanted to hop on here and remind you about our services. We specialize in delivering accessible and affordable online training and nutrition plans for people of all levels. As far as training goes, membership is $40 per month, and that includes access to all of our workout programs, which include Olympic weightlifting, powerlifting, lower and upper body focused training plans, bodybuilding, functional fitness, strongman conditioning, and general fitness. As far as nutrition goes, We offer individualized online nutrition coaching services where we will guide you to find a diet that works for you based on your personal preferences, as well as help you build the systems and habits to adhere to your plan in the short and long term. You will be working one-on-one with a coach who will communicate with you weekly via check-ins using our software. Whether you want to improve your performance, lose weight, gain weight, gain muscle, or simply improve your understanding about dieting and relationship with food, the service is for you. So go sign up at hybridperformancemethod.com.
1: Yeah. Uh, And to go back into what, what you were saying early about differentiating, differentiating yourself in a crowded market, quality, obviously professionalism. Those are two things that we've touched on already. Um, But also, Remaining authentic and having a different voice or skill set or something that that doesn't exist already, and I think picking up ideas from others in the same marketplace is fine. You know mm-hmm. what they say: imitation is the, the the greatest form of flattery, right? That's where
0: they say. What What did they say? Do you remember? In uh, this is not a T-shirt by Bobby Hundreds, but they were talking about the best artists. Like the best uh-huh. artists are the one that that, ones that copy others
1: right yeah i've actually heard that from a number of sources yeah. yeah it's it's true um but i mean most things have been done in some way mm-hmm. and it, it, on, there's honestly nothing that makes me feel better than when a, a coach leaves our service and then starts a similar service because it's like look, uh, we've actually provided good enough education to our coaches that they're now able to to go in and and do their own thing feel comfortable doing that mm-hmm. So I think, um, I think there's not, nothing wrong with, with picking up ideas from, from people along the way, but like I said, have something that's, uh, that differentiates you.
0: And, and you ha- and you do like, we're, we're all, we're all different. We all have different quirks and personalities, you know, but it's important to let that show in your delivery of, of your product, your service, your, your apparel, you know, you gotta let your, your personality and your voice show instead of trying to imitate the way that someone speaks or the way that someone presents information. You know, you can get, like you said, you can get ideas here and there, but ultimately you need to give it your own twist and you have it. All Uh you have to do is, is get out of your own way.
1: Yeah, You know, for the
0: longest time, sorry, for the longest time, when, when I first started YouTube, I was struggling with, you know, how, how should I talk to the camera? And I, and I found myself trying to imitate all these YouTubers in the way that
1: they spoke. And- What's up, guys? <laughs> Welcome to Stevie Cohen's channel.
0: Omar of here. <laughs> and it
1: works great for him. I mean, he's got a good little shtick.
0: But that's his.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not right. me. Exactly.
0: Uh, and 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 I used to struggle so much. I used to hate doing the introductions and <laughs> didn't know what to do with my hands or where should I look at. And then it just got to a point where I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna think about it anymore. I'm just gonna do me. I'm gonna talk how I talk. And I'm going to, if I feel like even like let out my silly jokes and my, and, and my, and my silly personality, and I'm just going to, I'm going to do me. And that makes you relatable because honestly, people can smell when you're being disingenuous. People, people know.
1: And also your, when you're a poser, your quirks are what make you interesting, right? Yeah. There's no shortage of dexter's in front of whiteboards out there on the internet explaining topics. Right. But how long can you look at that without being bored? If you're a regular person, yeah, you know, you need some level of entertainment. And I think that's, I, that's one of the things I love actually about your channel. Like I actually, I live with you and I still watch all your videos because yeah. they're funny and I like, I like seeing that goofy part of you come out in the I content. I know. You're my biggest fan. I know. I
0: know.
1: Um. <laughs> um, but I was going to go somewhere with that. Um, Oh, yeah. And I think the the other thing is that people, uh, people think they're not cool. Right. And then that's why they can't be the front front facing part of a business. But it's like for every subset of dork out there, there's, you know, how big the world is, how many people there are, there are a lot of people who are into the same things. And you can just see that, like, look at even some of the like, uh, Russ Swole with uh, anime. Like him and his followers, they're goofing around about like uh, I'm not into that at all, you know. And uh, uh, to be honest, I was surprised when I saw how many people were like who are responding to him and tagging him in anime stuff that he reposts. And but it's a huge part. So it's just kind of like find your niche, and and your your people will find you.
0: Yeah, there's gonna be people that are gonna gravitate towards the same things that you like. Yeah, always, always. There's 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 so, there's so many people out there, and there's so many people like you. You just don't if if you're into something that's uncommon you assume that it's uncommon for people to to also be into those things but there's going to be a, a large amount of people that are going to be into the same things as you
1: like yeah un- uncommon might have a following of a million people
0: yeah you know exactly so
1: it, yeah the the numbers are out there you just have to get your message out there
0: and and that that also that also goes along with with what we usually talk about when about When you're gonna sell something, I think when you're thinking about scale, you know, you think you need to you need to cater to the millions, but you don't need to cater to the millions. You need to cater to the hundreds. You know, you need to cater to a small subset of people, and that's fine. You can have an audience of a thousand people, but if they're continuously buying what you're selling, you can make a decent living. You know, and everything should be in steps. I mean, I'm 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 a whoa. I'm ab- up there. Ab- I'm like porky a very pig
1: over
0: there. <laughs> I'm a very ambitious person, and when we first started Hybrid, you know, I remember telling you, you know, I want Hybrid to be making X amount, right. and then after that, I was like, I want Hybrid to be making X amount, and I keep pushing that needle. Like, I want Hybrid to be making one billion dollars. You know, I want Hybrid to be valued at a billion dollars, mm-hmm. and but if you can't go from zero to a billion right? Like the goal, I remember I found the other day, a letter that I wrote to you and like one of our month anniversaries, how excited we were about making 5k.
1: No, yeah. The, it was the first month the that first the business month. made 10, 10k. 10k. I think. 10K. Yeah. Yeah. And,
0: and I was so excited. That was amazing at that point, but it's, it's what I'm saying. It's you first don't get paralyzed by how many people you need to sell things to. It's mm-hmm. usually you you need to sell way less than you think, and you need to, you need to appeal to a way smaller audience that you, than you think.
1: Right. And, and at that same time though. Uh, you're, you're right in that it's steps, but yeah. you always need to keep the idea of scalability in mind because oh, you never want to be limited by your own person, personal <laughs> ability to scale. You don't want, there's so many people that, that want to give you money and you you can't take it.
0: Right. Yeah. And and yeah, it, that's the difference between the hustler and the entrepreneur that we were talking about. Sure. You know, are you building something that's scalable or are you just going to be
1: yeah, you or know, with, assembling
0: with, something in your garage and selling it?
1: Yeah. No, for sure, um, and I think that to to sort of jump back, we're jumping back and forth, but that's cool. Our listeners know that that's how we do things. Uh, to um, when we were talking about how people don't think they're cool, and how maybe you know they 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 might have something cool or interesting about them or whatever. I think people also get caught, caught up on the idea that they have to have all of the requisite skills to run a business. In order to run a business, and I don't think I think that's couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, I think such an important part of having a business that is successful is being able to step away from as many things as possible that aren't that you're not the best at, and then hire somebody who is the best at that. In due time. In due time, right? Well, it, we were talking about this earlier today, actually. Where when you start a business, okay, maybe your first few hires are based mainly on proximity who's near you who's easily accessible who has enough trust in you to to work with you okay Mm -hmm. but as you grow and get bigger you need to start shifting away from who's the easiest hire to who
0: who's the best fit
1: not even just the best fit but who elevates the brand like who can come into a business and Just them now being a part of the business makes that business better.
0: Yeah, it's finding someone with a different set of skills. But
1: what I think that you're not good at. Yeah,
0: but let's talk about organization later on.
1: No, I am, but it's a bit of a segue to what I wanted to say next, which was I think people um, they get too caught up with with you know bringing people in who are close to them. Like I said, you order or you you hire based on proximity early on. Um, and because the roles that those people are doing are important, and those people are close to you, people often feel like they have to give this this person some sort of ownership in their business. And I think that is the biggest mistake that anyone could make, especially early on. Imagine if you and I gave ownership to anyone, to an investor, to you know venture capitalism firm. To if as soon as you give ownership away, you're giving away control, and you're giving away the ability to take the company in a direction that you want to take it. And
0: you know what happens at the beginning? It might seem harmless because you're not making any money or you're making very little money, but that count compounds exponentially as the company grows. And then you're, you you know, you're in this agreement with somebody where at the beginning it seemed totally harmless. You know, the person's making a couple thousand bucks a month and now you're having to pay him hundreds of thousands of dollars because, because you gave up on those on that ownership.
1: Or yeah. And you came to some sort of, uh, salary deal or
0: percentage, percentage deal, deal early
1: on. And uh, yeah, I think that don't, don't get confused between ownership and shows of appreciation and value. Just because somebody's job is extremely valuable doesn't mean that there aren't other people out there who can do that job. And it also doesn't mean that the only way to show them that they're valued is to give them an actual piece of, of your business. Yeah. Um, and I see it all the time. I, Well, more often than not, well, most businesses fail, but a lot of them fail because of disagreements in direction between owners, you know, and uh, I think that's something that can be easily avoided if you just remain the owner. I would rather pay someone way more and give them no ownership than than give them ownership.
0: Yeah, I agree. So before we move on, I also talking about structure and scalability, one of the mistakes that we made was... The lack of the lack of uh, projection into the future, or lack of maybe like confidence in the growth of the business could make. We thought that it could be. We definitely thought it could be scaled. We were definitely investing in a creating our own app and our own software and doing all these things, but we had no idea the scale. Right, like how how big. The, the the company was gonna get and you never know that right and, you don't and know. also
1: yeah i don't think it's a confidence thing as much as we didn't understand what having the potential maybe well, no i well i, I mean I, at least i always thought it, it had huge potential but i my i think we just didn't understand what sort of changes and responsibilities and pressures come with a business that reaches a certain size it's very different right than when you just are running your own thing and it's just you yeah. You know, when you're responsible for 50, 60 other people who all have wanted needs and who are all.
0: I know, but that's not where I wanted to go. I, where are you I, going? I, I wanted to go to, to talking about organization and systems within the brand. Sure. Things that are that need to be established early on that sometimes are, you know, it's are overseen or overlooked because because you don't need, you know, because you're cool with having a handshake agreement with your best friend who's helping you with graphics you know, because you're cool with asking your buddy to like film a few videos for you here and there and, and, you know, paying them every, whatever, like not having like boundaries, not having, uh, written agreements with people, not having organization, you know, all those things eventually bit us in the ass because we weren't prepared for the growth of the business. We weren't ready for what's coming. We we were reactive rather than proactive in that sense Mm -hmm. back then. Right. Like it got to a point where where we were we were struggling with customer service because there were so many so many people so many emails that we were getting every day on top of monitoring the Facebook group on top of writing the programs on top of you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then that's when we brought in a general manager, etc. and and even then like it took years for us to have like an organized system that made sense that that made the systems more efficient, faster, uh, and better essentially. So I think establishing those things early on. At least, at the bare minimum, the roles of responsibility, the roles and responsibilities of every single person that you bring in, for all those things to be in writing, for there to be a, a contract, for there to be uh, a written, you know, company booklet with with uh, professionalism rules, you know, what's expected of them, not only in their job but also in their way that they behave and interact.
1: Mm-hmm. It's much easier to make these things as you as you go along and and before they're necessary than it is to do a complete overhaul after the fact and especially in fitness a lot of uh, these businesses that people start they start as passion projects and they start where people are like maybe they are just trying to make a couple bucks at the beginning and once they see there's an opportunity there then they they double down on it and they invest more um and that's why a lot of those things are like handshake agreements and i think the, the biggest disservice that you can do to a friend is go in on a business deal on a, on a handshake agreement, because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good of friends you are. People are, are going to look out for their, their best interest mm-hmm. and, and they'll justify and you'll justify ways to, to make your best interest. The one that is most important in your, in your mind. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's good. That's a really good advice. Everything in writing, uh, and and plan like like the business is going to be huge. Even if it's not, there's no downside to doing
0: that. It goes back to what we were saying: behave like a professional, right from the beginning.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's all important stuff that I think we need to continue to to talk on. But before we get too far away from the starting the brand, uh, making it grow, and all that stuff, I want to jump into what actually branding is why it's important. How do you get your name out there? Uh, and all, and all that stuff.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, with branding, obviously there's, there's the choosing your name and your logo, for example, those two things are important, but I actually, I just thought about this. I remember when we were, when we were thinking about what to call the company and even then after when we decided what the name of the company should be, then deciding the color, the, the color schemes and then deciding uh, I don't know what the, what the mascot should be, and all these different things. I remember that it was overwhelming, and I remember never feeling satisfied with what we had. But the reality is that you can always change that. You can always mold. You can always find iterations of the name. Like now, we we very rarely use hybrid performance method. We use hybrid, mm. and we we have a bajillion different ways or logos for the word hybrid and we have different it, our our uh, our mascot has evolved from a greek goddess looking centaur to
1: god it was a guy
0: a, what did i say goddess yeah yeah a greek god looking centaur to uh mean evil but it good kind of dark yeah. dark s- skeleton badass spartan center and, and that was, a you know, across, the, uh, as the years went by, we we started kind of m- merging the brand with our personality, but that happens over time. That's not, sure. you're not going to have an epiphany and be like, this is it. This is the logo. That's the Nike logo, you know?
1: Yeah. You're, you're well, I think some brands get lucky and it, they get a great and nail it start. the
0: first time. But, but I mean,
1: uh, I remember last year I went to Amsterdam. I went to the Heineken Brewery, which don't go to that. It's the biggest tourist trap in the entire world. But... <laughs> They had all of the different logos that Heineken had had over the years. They showed like the timeline of how to like 50. Wow. See? And that's a huge, huge brand. And many are like that. Like if you just Google evolution of whatever huge company you can think of or evolution of whatever company's logo, you're going to... it'll show you a million of them. Yeah. So it's it's not like you're locked into one logo from the beginning. You can change your name. You can do whatever.
0: It's important, but also don't get stuck on it. Like it doesn't matter if you don't love it or if it's, it it likely won't be the final iteration of your logo or of your colors or your presentation. So just pick something you like more or less. And then, and then go from there and see, see how your, see how your personality starts kind of flowing into your brand and what people react to, you know, how are people reacting to a change in color? Maybe you're splattering in some yellow, maybe you splattered in some blue, maybe you changed the red for white, whatever. And then you see how, 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 how people react. And that, that's how you continuously evolve your, your kind of brand presentation. Um, but it's important to, at least in my opinion, I think it's important to develop a story behind your brand it's too close. Move it.
1: I don't know. It's there? just in your lineup. You're good now. Um, how you
0: do? De- how you develop? Uh, I think it's important to develop a story behind the brand, kind of for it to have a a strong mission and a strong ethos, or or, you know, what does your company stand for? How are you gonna How are you gonna make people relate to what you're selling, whether it's a product or a service? How are people going to feel like what kind of emotion is it going to evoke from people when they see the name of your brand? Mm-hmm. You know, from the beginning, we had, we had a strong mission statement. I, I forget what it was, but like,
1: uh, look like a bodybuilder, Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah. Lift like a powerlifter move like a weightlifter. Right. Which actually encompassed exactly the one thing we did at the time, which was offer that one program, right. which tried to accomplish those three things.
0: Right. So, Within that, you know, evoking emotions, it's, it's the, the message, right? You, you got to clarify your message and make sure that it's very clear to people what you sell, what you offer. A lot of times, uh, and this probably happens to a lot of people that have businesses, when someone asks you, what do you do? And in your mind, you have a bunch of convoluted ideas of how you're going to explain it. And you don't know where to start, and you're like stuttering, and you're like, "Well, uh, well, actually, I, uh, you know, do this thing," and uh, you yeah, failed.
1: immediately. I'm like, "This guy has no idea what he's talking about."
0: Yeah, you failed. Like, give, you, give
1: our elevator pitch for how yeah, Go thirty
0: seconds. Huh? Go do it. Oh, Um Hybrid Performance Method specializes in delivering affordable and accessible workout plans for people of all levels.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. and that's so easy, and and. Well, it's actually not easy to whittle it down because you, you want to try to like incorporate all of the different aspects of the business, but it's less important to do that than it is to have a concise response to somebody when they ask you what your business is. Exactly.
0: But beyond that is, is it easy for people to understand what you do? Like forget about the one-on-one interaction with someone in the elevator, but it's when people go to your website, is it clear what you're selling? can you find the mission statement right there right next to your name or or a short video explaining what is it that you sell what is it that you do yeah and then and yeah and then with that it goes like i was saying like what kind of emotions does it evoke from people cuz i think that's important cuz the relatability component i think it's huge that's what makes people gravitate towards one brand versus the other right you know especially in coaching man it's not like we were saying all programs all most workout programs work You know, there's, there's like a basic kind of fundamental principle that all workout regimes need to have, but beyond that, it's like they likely are most going to work. What's going to make people gravitate towards one program or one company versus another is the people behind what they stand for. What are they representing and how do, how do those people feel like they, whether they connect or not with the brand? I think that's, that's important. Yeah. And then within branding, you were saying the thing about the email. It's something that you always tell everyone. It's like when you're branding, you have your logo, it's like the outward appearance of the brand. How are you perceived by by the masses? Dude, your email. Your email should not be
1: rankeding
0: programming at, g- at yahoo.com. Right. Open a corporate email account. You know, right. be, be a professional. Again, sign your emails, especially at the beginning. Sign it as team x mm-hmm. you know we at hybrid think value your commitment to getting better you for, know for sure strength we, i mean we used like to a, hybrid team
1: when it was literally me responding to every email it was always like thank you the hybrid team yeah or team hybrid and you know even yeah. even was just doing me and you're right that, that those are the kind of things that give people faith in the company that they're dealing with professionals and that that there is a certain quality standard to be expected and
0: and, and you should always be projecting that you're larger bigger and more successful than you actually are that like kind of illusion is is important for people to have what was the book that we were writing that we were reading i think no it was echo so mark echo he was actually millions of dollars in debt at this time but he really believed in his brand he was in debt, but he was also selling millions. It was just his accounts weren't in, weren't in balance. Like his, yeah, his cash, cash flow, flow was all fucked up, but he was still making millions. So he, he trusted that he could continue building the brand that he was, that he had. Mm-hmm. So at that, at that point when he was millions of dollars in debt, he bought a building in, uh, in, Fifth Avenue. Right. Yeah. In Fifth Avenue. And that was also millions of dollars that he put himself in debt. Um, on top of what he was already in debt of, in debt for, and the reason why he explains that the reason why he did that was because he wanted to be perceived as one of the giants in the industry, mm-hmm. and he was willing to take that risk. He wanted Mar- Echo Unlimited to be next to all the bigger, the the huge brands next to
1: Louis and
0: yeah, yeah,
1: Nike, Gucci, all the big ones that yeah. are, are yeah, yeah. I mean, and it just goes to show how important image is.
0: Yeah. And how important it is to invest in that brand image. It's so important. like, like people And, and always, to
1: continue to, in, to invest in it because always. styles change, your style changes, what people are looking for changes.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but some people, you know, it's hard when you're investing into things that are kind of intangible to a certain extent. Like things that you can't immediately see what the reward is going to be. Mm-hmm. Right. If you like, say, when mm-hmm. we invested into... Buying a gym, getting a own gym. We didn't necessarily see an immediate return on our investment, but mm-hmm. this we always talk about this. It's we we thought about the gym as the same way as you would think about a storage locker. You know, it's not providing you with a monetary immediate return.
1: Yeah, you're not looking at your financial statements being like, "What's the ROI on this storage, storage locker?" Unit, yeah, like it's zero but it's not zero. It's just intangible. It's, exactly. It has a service and it's providing the service for the value that it is.
0: Exactly. But it's hard. It's hard for people to be, be willing to invest in, uh, I don't know, having their own warehouse and improving their packaging in bringing someone in for customer service to whatever, to represent the brand better, et cetera. When you don't see the immediate rewards, right? Right now we're, yeah. we're, exactly there with all the improvements that we're making on our software in the app. That's going to be absolutely incredible, yeah. but it's been months in the making, you know, yeah. it's a year maybe.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've, we've basically doubled our payroll Yeah. in a time where it's the worst most it's companies done. are firing, you know, half of their workforce, but we, we did that because we're confident in the people who we've brought in and we've, Brought in people who elevate the brand because that's the stage that we're at, you know, a COO, a CMO, people who, who are doing awesome things for the for the company. And we're very confident that those things are going to pay off. Exactly. So, yeah, it's definitely investing in your brand is, is huge and you can never stop doing it. I mean, we've we've even even on the software side of things, you know, a lot of people think that they're going to start a, a they'll make you know, make some sort of software like, like we did. And we certainly thought at the beginning, we're like, Oh yeah, we'll just build this website one and done. And then we have the website, it delivers the programs. We never have to touch it again. And that way we won't have to pay train heroic 30% or whatever service. Right? (laughs) Little did we know that that's definitely not how it works, especially if you want uh, a, a service that looks good. So and works well and it provides a good customer experience so i mean our biggest expense now is employing an entire software development team and uh how much we, does that cost huh
0: how much does that cost
1: a lot a lot <laughs> i i mean we'll it, it let people find out for themselves no but, i mean
0: that's it's not a secret a software developer charges anywhere from 10 to 20 grand a month per person that's if you have one person
1: sure Right. I mean, yeah, it's an expensive.
0: And, and it never deal. ends. And it never ends. That's her point. Like we, we thought we were going to create the software and then forget about it. There's always something that fails. Always. Mm-hmm. Like every month there will be something that fails. Your, your, your paywall is down. Your thing isn't merging. Your data is stuck. I you're, don't know. You're
1: also going to want to change things about the website constantly. Add
0: uh, new features. And new you know? features.
1: And, and uh, even beyond all of that is you have competitors who are going to be willing to invest in their things continuously. And if you don't want to become an irrelevant service and you want to keep people on your platform, that platform has to be running to the standard of others in the industry. And that's something that's going to be super cool. When we roll it out, we have brand new, a brand new app and software coming soon. That's going to be pretty cool. So Yeah. yeah, we're, we're walking the walk.
0: Walk the walk, talk the talk. You know what I mean.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This is a good. This is a good place to stop for today. Uh, we've talked about a lot of stuff. We've thrown a lot at you, and we still have a lot more for you. So we're gonna divide this episode into two. This is gonna be part one. You can expect part two on Sunday. Uh, we don't wanna keep you waiting too much because you know we know we, we we know this this podcast is is too good, man. You won't be able to wait. You're gonna be on the edge of your seat going to be like, what's next Steph? And you're only going to have to wait four days, which is amazing instead of a week. So you're welcome. Huh? Yeah. All right. Um, as always, don't forget to check out hybrid performance method.com where you can find training and nutrition programs that are exactly fitted for your goals and your needs, as well as checking out hybridapparel.store where you could find the sickest, find the sickest apparel in the game look stylish feel good look good perform better so check us out hybridapparel.store uh stay tuned for the drops because we print a limited amount for each each design and we never do reprints so once they're gone they're gone if you snooze you lose all right that is all stay tuned for part two coming out on sunday thank you